You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. How well do you know Jesus? How well do you know Jesus? Because I'd say that everybody around here would, if I were to say, hey, do you know Jesus? You'd say, oh yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. I know who he is. You know, it reminds me of kind of like when Jesus walked the earth, right? A lot of people knew Jesus in the sense of, yeah, I know who he is. But there's a lot of people that know him in relationship, but not so much when it comes to transformation. Not so much when it comes to maybe a brand new life. Now, I believe when we look into the Bible today, we can see ourselves reflected in many of the people that we study about in the Word of God. For instance, today we're going to look at two sisters and a brother. And I believe that we could see ourselves in these sisters and brother. Let's look in John, 20, John 11, verse 20, where the Bible says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? As we look at the people that Jesus is interacting with, he's talking to Martha, Mary is mentioned, and then there's the brother Lazarus. What we see is we see three people that have a serious need. Matter of fact, you see three people with a desperate need. They are hoping that Jesus will do something in their lives. They're really hoping for a miracle to take place in their lives. Matter of fact, they're kind of expecting that maybe he will do something. But what happens, as you'll find out, is the chapter started with Lazarus being a sick man, a man that had an illness that meant he was going to be dying very soon if nothing changed. Just a few verses into the chapter, we find out that he died. All right, So they have a need. And I, I tell you today, I believe every one of us here have a need. Everybody we know has some need today. And so as we consider Mary and Martha and Lazarus, I think about the level on which they knew Jesus. Now, again, I believe in, in true interpretation, I believe they did know Jesus as Savior. But for application purposes today, I want to think about Martha here. And I want to think about Mary because it reminds me of many people that I know. I can look into their lives and I can see people like Martha who have a need and are hoping that Jesus does something in their lives. But the problem is Martha has known Jesus as someone who has done great things in the lives of other people. Not necessarily in their lives. They haven't seen Jesus perform a miracle for them. They haven't seen Jesus transform and change their world necessarily. They've seen, it do, seen him do it for other people. And I would say today that I know a lot of people that way. 
If you ask them, hey, do you know, you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know all about Jesus. I know he was born, and I, I know the whole story. I know about Jesus. But to them, he's a person that has done great things in the lives of other people. You know, I, I mean, I, I think maybe their attitude would be just like, oh, yeah, Jesus? I mean, I, I, I think he's a great guy. You know, uh, matter, I mean, he, he's pretty cool. Matter of fact, he's done some things in some people that I know. He, he's done miracles in their lives. He's transformed their lives. But, you know, for people like me, I mean, he's just kind of separate from me. Right? I, I know people that look at it that way. So for Martha, I've seen Jesus do something in other people's lives. But here's the problem with Martha. When you read her words, when she said, Jesus, if you had been here... My brother wouldn't have died. You can read some frustration. You can hear the frustration in her voice. You can hear her saying, Lord, if you had just, why weren't you here for me? And so there's some people that get frustrated when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I think about Martha. She, she is kind of an, uh, she's one example. Mary's another example. The Bible says in verse 20 that Mary sat still in the house. In other words, it doesn't seem like Mary made an effort to even come to where Jesus was at, at least initially. I mean, again, I know people that are that way. When you say, do you know Jesus? They don't make much of an effort. They don't think about Jesus very often. It's Easter, so maybe Jesus is on the mind. But they kind of live their lives without really thinking much about Jesus. Right? Because he's just so much not a part of your life. And you do, you think it's great. So, some people may, may look at me and say, you know, Jesse, I think it's great what Jesus has done in your life. You turn that, thank you. I think it's great what Jesus has done in your life. I'm thankful for what he's done in your family, and I think that's cool. But they don't even stop to consider that Jesus wants to do the same thing for them. Would do the same thing for them. See, the problem sometimes is really kind of a case of mistaken identity. When you say, hey, do you know Jesus? Unfortunately, they know about the Jesus that they've learned about in some dead religion. In some works-based religion their whole life. Or maybe based on people who were under the teaching of that kind of stuff. That's not the Jesus we're talking about today. But that's the Jesus that many people know, if you will. How well do you know Jesus? So no matter where you are today, I've got a couple things that I can promise you about Jesus Christ in relationship to where you are today and with your need because I want to say something out of all the needs that we face in this life there's no greater need than the need for a relationship with him a need to have our sins forgiven you know in fact there is a void within the heart of every person it's an infinite void that can only be filled by an infinite being and that being, being the Lord himself. You know what life is for many people? Trying to throw things into that void. And that void just sucks it up. I mean, people look for everything in this world, by the way, including religion. But religion doesn't even do it. Uh, the, the things that the world has to offer don't do it. I know I can think of times when I was trying to put things into my life to fill that void, but nothing was ever enough. And, and I would get it, and it would be enough for a while, it seemed, but pretty soon I had to find something else to replace that void or just keep going back to the same destructive behavior that would temporarily fill that void. 
Everybody's got a need today. And even if you feel you may be here today, you may be listening today and feel as if Jesus is someplace far off. He's other people's God. He's other people's Savior. But what about you? Well, here's something I want to tell you today. Number one, we find out this. I promise you today, are you listening? He knows you. He knows you. The very hairs of your head are numbered, the Bible says. And I can't, every time I say that, I think about the, the follically challenged, right? Uh, and I get nervous every time I say that word, but uh, follically challenged. Uh, to about, you say, well, it wouldn't be too hard for some people. But the fact of the matter is, the very hairs of your head are numbered, the Bible says. The Bible says that he knows your thoughts. He knows when you get up. He knows when you sit down. In other words, he knows. Can you imagine this? When you think about Jesus, he's just some Jesus that's for other people. And that's cool. That's fine. But not for you. But if you ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, do you know Chad? I sure do. I know everything about him. I know every thought he's ever thunk, right? I know, I know everything he's said. I know every word he's ever said. I know all about him. You see, I fashioned Chad in his mother's womb. And I allowed him to come into this earth because I have a purpose for Chad. And since God knows you the way he knows you, and yes, even though he knows you that well, he knows every thought. Because uh, that, you, not, not too many people hear that he knows every thought and be like, oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad Jesus knows my thoughts. <laughs> Most of us don't want to I don't want you to know my thoughts half the time, right? Uh, but God knows them. And here's the good news. He knows your thoughts. The Bible says he's acquainted with all your ways, and he still loves you like crazy. Amen? Because you think about that. Uh, now, there's some of you that are better at telling everything you think. I, I get accused of it. Uh, but therefore, the more you tell people what you think, a lot of times the less they really want to be around you, right? And the more you really are just who you are, sometimes the less people want to be around. In other words, the more people know your ways, husbands and wives, those in a relationship, it's like, oh my gosh, uh, this is crazy, right? Well, God knows it, and here's the thing, He still loves you. He knows you. There in verse 3, the Bible says that the sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. So he knows you, he sees your need, and listen to this, he sees you trying to fill your need with all these things that aren't working. And he sees those of you who have said, preacher, I don't get it. I mean, I've tried Jesus, and I've tried religion. Folks, I apologize, because religion is not what we're talking about today. I'm talking about a true living Savior who you can know today. He knows you, and He really wants you to know Him. He knows you. He sees your need. Number three, I'll say this. He cares. The shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five, and it just simply says, Jesus wept. Now, there's been like theological conversations on why Jesus wept, but I think it's a fairly simple conversation. Because it wasn't because Lazarus died, because we find out that Jesus knew that hours ago that Lazarus died. He didn't weep then. You know when he wept? He wept when he saw the broken hearts of Mary and Martha. He wept when he saw how hurt they were. And here's what I want to say today. Those times when you've been all by yourself, 
You didn't think anybody cared. You didn't think anybody saw. You were maybe in a dark place in your life. Let me tell you something. You may have felt alone, but Jesus wept. Jesus cares that much about you. He's broken for you. You know why? Because he was broken on the cross for you. If you, you say, I'm not sure if he loves me that much. May I remind you, this weekend is not just about, you know, some religious observance. This weekend is about Jesus, but it's about Jesus and you. Because he went to the cross for you. And he rose again for you to be saved. So he knows you, he sees your need, he cares. How about this? He loves you. Verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Oh, how he loves us, amen? Again, look at the cross to see his great love. And not only does he do all that, but here's where it gets even better. He comes to where you are. Verse 7 of our chapter says, Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go unto Judea again. Let us go to where these people I care about are. Let us go to where these people that I love are. They have a need. And then somebody says, but I don't understand. Why did God, why did he let things get to the point they did? Because he wanted to do a miracle in their lives. And I'm telling you, he wants to do a miracle in your life today. Because the resurrection is more than just about a celebration, as we'll see in a moment. It's about transformation. It's about a changed life. And so Jesus said, I want to go where they are. Here's the great news, whether you realize this or not. Jesus comes to where you are. You say, I don't know so much about that. Here you are, just think, think about Mary sitting back at the house, feeling like Jesus is so far away. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to do a miracle for me. And maybe you feel like Jesus is far away. But in reality, I'm telling you, He's right here. He comes to you where you are. He reaches out to you where you are. You say, are you sure about that? I sure am. How do you know that? Because you're hearing this message today. It's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that you're hearing this message. I'm telling you, he comes to where you are. But then not only that, he introduces himself. Notice what the Bible says in verse 24. As we've already read, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Let's pause right there a second. This is my heart when it comes especially to Easter and Christmas. And really year round. But the difference is, Martha got, was thinking that the resurrection was about a day. About a certain time. But it reminds me of people today. Resurrection, day, Easter, Christmas. Oh, it's a day. Wonderful day. It's a day to celebrate. And I agree, it is a wonderful day. And it is a day to celebrate. But Jesus informs her, like many other people need to be informed, you're mistaken. You're missing the most valuable part. Yes, it's something to be celebrated. And yes, it is a day. But the title of my message today is this. Meet the resurrection. Being introduced to the resurrection. Notice what Jesus says here in verse 25. Jesus said unto her, Martha... I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now this is an important question. 
And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? He introduces himself. I mean, he, and, and what he does here is he brings us to the greatest need. Imagine that. She's saying, Lord, yeah, I know that the resurrection is a day. And he said, well, you're mistaken. He said, it's more than a day. He said, I am the resurrection. It's me. It's so personal. It has to do with you. See, the vast majority of people I know, again, make the same mistake. And I'm all for having a celebration of Easter. You know, I'm partially dressed like an Easter egg today. It's, it's fun, right? Um, but, and, and the meals and, and, the, and, the, and the Easter egg hunts. Uh, don't tell that to some people. But, but all of it, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. But I'm telling you, there's a lot more to it than that. People, but the sad thing, again, is people who miss it. Who miss it. Now, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're like Mary or you're like Martha to where Jesus seems like somebody that's off maybe doing things in other people's lives and that's great. Maybe you're bitter because he hasn't done it in your life. Or maybe you're just like, I don't even care. Jesus isn't even on my radar. But the good news is this. You're on Jesus' radar. And whether or not you identify with either Mary or Martha, this is one that we all identify with. And I want to tell you just a little bit about Lazarus today. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 38 of John 11. It says, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. Well, she was just honest, I guess. For he hath been dead for four days. Now, how can we identify with this man Lazarus? Because he's, he's, he's dead in a tomb of darkness. He is in a place beyond hope, humanly speaking. Lazarus is bound tightly in grave clothes. The way they would bury people back then, number one, as you read, they put him in a cave, in a tomb, much like they did Jesus. But before they did, kind of like the Egyptians would wrap the mummies, it was a different process. It wasn't as detailed as the Egyptians, but they would still wrap the bodies tight. Wrap them in clothes. So this man's dead. This man's bound. This man is beyond all human hope. That's all Lazarus is. He's a dead man. You say, well, how in the world can we relate to that? How can all of us relate to that? I'll tell you how. Because whether you realize it or not, the Bible says we are dead in our sins. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, the Bible teaches that every one of us, when we were born into this world, which there's, there's a, like a paradox there, right? Because we were born into this world, therefore we're alive. But the Bible says we were born into this world with sin. With sin. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so that sin, even though we're alive physically, we have our souls alive, but we are spiritually dead. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. 
That's where we were. The Bible in, a couple, in another place in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 speaks of the darkness and the hopelessness of our condition where it says that the gospel is hidden. And it says, Satan, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine. So, how does that, how does that have to do with us? Dead in sin. We might look good on the outside, but on the inside, spiritually, there's a darkness. Spiritually, we are bound. And I'm telling you, we're beyond hope of salvation outside of Jesus Christ. But the good news is, the reason Jesus came is so that we might have hope. Notice what the Bible says in verse 43 of our text. The Bible says, And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. <laughs> Boy, that's wonderful news. Because the Bible says there was a time that we were all in darkness. There was a time when we were, the, the good news of the gospel was hidden from us. But the Bible says in the second part of 2 Corinthians 4, it says, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, He wants to shine a light into your heart. He wants to let you know your need. And here's the great thing. I love what He does here. He calls Lazarus by name. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. And if you'll listen closely today, I'm going to tell you something you'll find out and you'll hear that Jesus is calling you by name today. Boy, in darkness, bound. I mean, in a place that human, humanly possible, you could never get out of. But the Bible says, God who commanded the light shine out of darkness, which goes back to the book of Genesis, where God spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. You know what God's trying to do today? He's trying to speak into your heart and bring some light. In other words, he's trying to, when I ask that question, how well do you know Jesus today? He may be revealing to your heart, that he's just some distant figure to you. Or somebody you're glad that he's helped out somebody else. But folks, I want to tell you today, he wants to do that for you. Charles Wesley penned these great words where he said, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Oh my goodness, to think about that. My, he called my name. Again, Ephesians 2 starts out with, And you hath he quickened, which means to be made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience, but then it goes on to say, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, 
and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What he's saying there is this. Folks, when you experience this life change, this transformation, God wants to bring you forth. He wants to save you. He's calling your name. He wants you to experience a transformation. He wants to bring you out of darkness. He wants to break that which has you bound. And He can do just that. And He will do just that. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 6, verse 4, As Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Ephesians 1.19, the Bible says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward, who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He hath wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Did you hear what that verse said? What He does in us is what He did in Christ on that first resurrection Sunday. He wants to do that for you. And that's exactly what He did for me. He saved me. He brought me out of the darkness, as I've already said. But I'm telling you, it doesn't just end and begin with salvation. Folks, that's just the beginning. Look, look, if you will, with me in John chapter 12. Next chapter. So now, Lazarus has been set free. Lazarus has been transformed. He's been changed. He's been brought forth out of the grave. But now in chapter 12, the Bible says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now, you got to get this picture. Remember by the time Jesus showed up, Lazarus had been dead for four days. The last thing anybody knew about Lazarus is, man, that guy's dead. He's in a tomb. He's bound up. We'll never see Lazarus again. And can you imagine just showing up to that supper and seeing Lazarus sitting at the table with Jesus? Well, I'm sure somebody asked, well, what's he doing here? How'd he get here? I mean, I thought he was dead. I thought he was bound. I thought there was no hope for that guy. And now he here, here he is feasting and partying with Jesus. Man, he's over there laughing it up and and talking it up and just having a good old time. (laughs) And what that reminds me of is this. It reminds me of, yes, in uh, 1992, that just don't seem possible, but that's when Jesus saved my soul. And let me tell you something, I was bound by sin. I was was in an impossible situation that I couldn't get out of. But thank God I heard the good news of Jesus Christ. I heard Him call my name. I finally realized the the great truth of the gospel that was hidden. But the light shined into my heart. And I got a glimpse and I understood for the first time. Now not fully, I understood it. But I can state it better than I understood it then. But I understood this enough to say this. Where the Bible says, For God so loved the world... I kind of heard it differently that day. Because it wasn't just for God so loved the world. It was Jesse. God loves you so much. That he gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus Christ. That Jesse, if you'd believe on him, you'll not have to perish. But you'll have everlasting life. See, because again, when I realized, again, because I thought Jesus was fine then. 
he, he was fine for people. I thought he was cool, and I'm glad that he, he seemed to do some great things for people. Other people claimed to know him. What they, he did for them didn't seem as great because they seemed to, you know, talk about by, by this time he, it's been four days, so he stinks. I've met some people that stink that they're so proud in their religion and stuff, right? Uh, so proud of the, all that they have done and accomplished, you know, and their nose is up high in the air and all that business. But I had seen that, but glorious day when I realized he did that for me. He saved my soul. But then that wasn't, the, that wasn't the end. He transformed me that day, but the transformation still works today. God is still transforming me now. His resurrection power is still working in me today. I'm not what I am today because I turned over a new leaf one day. I'm not, I'm not what I am today just because I decided, well, you know, I think I'll start living a different way. No! I am where I am today because of the, the resurrection power of Christ that He wrought in my heart. And it's the same that He wants to bring into your heart today. What's Lazarus doing there? I thought he was dead. <laughs> I thought he was gone. I thought there was no hope for him. And I can't help but think about myself. I've shared this with some of you before. But my friends had a, there was a general consensus about me. It wasn't just my friends. I think my family thought the same thing. These two things are kind of connected. Number one, the day after I got saved, the day after I heard Jesus calling my name and responded and received Him as my Savior, believed on Him, that next day I told some of my friends, hey guys, because uh, we were supposed to be getting together and kind of partying that next morning, <laughs> kind of the way I live. Uh, but I was like, not guys, I said, I'm not, uh, so not going to be coming over today. Uh, I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, I said, uh, I, I said I'm, I'm going to try to get into the Word. And I said, I'm going to try to go to church. And I said, I got some things that, uh, that I kind of want to grow and strengthen and work. And next thing you know, it was so funny because I got off the phone with one. And as soon as I hung up, the phone rang. Pretty much because he had already told somebody else. And they called up, hey, man, what's up? Because I think they're like, dude, you got to call Jesse. But here's, so what's going on, man? You, you we're going to get together and party this morning? And I'm like, ah. I was like, nah, man. And I began, and so, but what they thought was, they thought I had a bad trip on LSD. And they just thought the dude's just, he saw Jesus or something, man, you know. Uh, he, he, he's hearing voices or something, right? He's going, and so, and then kind of piggybacking on that was, okay. There's days gone by, a week has gone by, and Jesse is still talking this stuff. In other words, what's Jesse doing, man? He's sitting at the table with Jesus. He's celebrating with Jesus. He's up there yakking it up with Jesus. He was dead. Why, why is he not hanging out in the tomb with us anymore? Why is he not in the darkness with us anymore? What's he doing there, right? And so then after a week or so, they're just like, I think he's just lost it. I think he just literally has lost his mind. My family thought I lost my mind and joined a cult. Um, they really did. I mean, they were worried because it was God did it. He changed my life. And, 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 you know, and I can't help but think of some of the people in this church. There's people that come to this church that are just like, can you believe they're going to that church over there now? They're going to that church with crazy Jesse, you know, and, and, and that crowd. I mean, what are they doing? What are they doing here? But we know what it is, amen. It, it, we're feasting with Jesus. Hallelujah. So Jesus gives us life, but Jesus gives us abundant life. He changes us. He transforms us. 
And I'm not the man that I want to be or ought to be, but I'm not the man that I used to be. But God's power is helping me every day. And then quickly, look down at these next verses, and we'll uh, dismiss in just a moment. Verse 9, the Bible says, much, this is of chapter 12, Much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. This is kind of what I was just talking about. Word got out. Man, what's going on there? What's going on in this person's life? So not only now are they saying they've got life in Christ, see, because Jesus came not only so that you might have life, but that you might have abundant life. Amen? And I want to say something today. I am living the abundant life today in Jesus Christ. I really am. I mean, you talk about the joy that I have, the peace that I have. It's all from knowing Him. And again, don't, do not, please don't sit there and say, well, that's good for you, Jesse. I'm glad you know Jesus. That No, Jesus loves you. He's here. He's offering you. He's calling your name because He wants you to have that same life. He wants you to have that same abundant life. And the Bible says now people weren't just coming to see Jesus. They were coming to see Lazarus. And what that tells me is this. God wants to do a work through our lives to help, other, help bring other people to Jesus. He does such a transformation and he's trying to do a transformation in us that'll be a witness to the world around us. But I'll ask you something today. As Barb comes to play the piano softly, and we, as we all stand, please. I wonder where you stand today. Have you, do, do you think of Jesus as some, you know, yeah, he's, he's a good enough guy. Uh, he's cool, you know, fine. Nowhere near me, but he's cool. Or maybe you don't even think of him as cool, right? But here's what I want to say. Listen, he knows you. And he wants you to know him today. In a transforming kind of way. In a way that can meet the need upon your heart that nothing else in this world will ever meet. You trying to get me to get religious, Jesse? Join the church, not what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you about a person. And if you'll listen closer today, that person is calling your name. You say, well, I don't hear him calling my name. Here's what I mean by that. He's speaking to your heart. You know something's going on in your heart and your mind. What is that? That's the still small voice of Jesus Christ wanting to call your name, trying to shine light into your heart today. The question is, what will you do with it? What will you do with it? Will you respond to Jesus? Here's what the Bible says. Would you like to meet the resurrection today? Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says that with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. See, people believe up here in the, just intellectually, but that's, the devils believe that way. Everybody, I mean, most people believe that way. But with the heart, believe on him with your heart. From the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible goes on to say, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and that whosoever means you, shall be saved. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, as we have a word of prayer here, I just want to ask you this morning, would you like to know Him today? He knows you. He loves you. He's calling your name. Would you receive Him today? Would you like to? How do I do that, preacher? Just call on His name. You could pray this prayer with me this morning. 
Dear Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross, dying for my sins, rising again the third day. And right now, I want to turn from you, turn from that tomb I've been in, turn from the darkness that I've been in. And Jesus, I want to turn to you. I believe on you, Lord. And I want you to come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. And Jesus, I don't ask you today for a feeling and I don't ask you for a sign, but I take you at your word. And I don't know who you are today, but if you could say those words from your heart today, it's that simple to actually not do more than just have a celebration, but it's also able to have a transformation. But that's not the end. He wants to give you life, but he wants to give you more abundant life. Don't forget when you leave to grab one of those books if you can be here for that 10-week connection group, Next Steps. It's going to start next week. You know what that's about? That's about how you can sit at that table, amen, with Jesus. Grow in those next steps of the Christian life. I'm going to ask Dan Keel if he would dismiss us in a word of prayer. And uh, once he dismisses, uh, once he says amen, you are dismissed.